This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Addie. And I'm Tommy. And you're listening to Series 2, Episode 17, The Big Picture. And let's start it off with some announcements real quick. Okay. The first announcement is one that we've been plugging for seven weeks now. (laughs) Um, It is to send your questions in to uh, us for post-game chatter. This is the very last week that you will be able to do that. We are recording it next week and looking forward to it. Yeah, the deadline is... Episode 18. A week from today, episode 18 will air, and by the end of that day, get your questions in, because the next day we're recording post-game chatter. And on that note, let's jump into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM is about Series 2, Episode 17, Extraordinary Measures. Uh, there are some pretty extraordinary measures that went on. Oh this was God. not a hard episode to name. <laughs> that episode was so much fun. <laughs> yeah, I was freaking out the whole time. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a really satisfying episode for me with a lot of uh, different things all coming together. Um, uh, particularly, like, the past, like, four episodes, Bumbles hasn't had much to do. I mean, he no, that's not true. He He did really well, like, in the gala, like, you know. Uh, pretending to be Steven Seagal movie producer. <laughs> um, but but besides that, like besides the social event, like, you know, he's he's had trouble like, you know, fighting everything. He went into that he went into that fight against the spirits without a drone. He's like, I'm so useless. And the whole time it, I was just like, just give me a second. Give me a second. I'm gonna give you something to do. It's gonna be great. <laughs> uh, and yeah, finally he got to reveal that uh, spot can fly. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's what he uh, that's what he cannibalized the uh, Ares Roadmaster uh, was for parts oh. uh, to get the modification that uh, gives him an alternative uh, propulsion method for spot. <laughs> that whole sequence was really crazy uh, and very fun, but like there was a lot going on. Yeah, well, that was uh, <laughs> I got I got the chance to do one of my favorite things as a GM, and that's uh, just fuck initiative, go with cinematic mode. <laughs> that's not to say initiative is a bad thing in any way. A lot of times you need things to happen in the specific order. You need to go by the by the books and like have like action sequences play out in initiative order. Um, but I'm a I'm a sucker as a GM for cinematic mode, which what I mean when I say that is uh, going through an action sequence and just kind of working uh, abstract initiative in your head and not having anyone really roll for initiative and just like jumping around asking people what they're doing during this moment. Uh, it's one of my favorite tricks to do as a GM because it gives you that sense of urgency that everything is all happening at once and like it's just this like it keeps the momentum of the narrative going without anyone really having to like stop me like okay well whose turn is it next okay whose turn is it next let me manage the initiative track that kind of thing uh it keeps it going real fast and that way you can like sometimes cheat and like put someone in front of someone else because like resolving what they're gonna do will 
inform what the next person's going to do, and you can just kind of really control the order in which the action goes so that it makes this nice ramp up of action, uh, which we saw in the uh, in the whole escape. Yeah, and especially with how long um, Shadowrun's initiative passes can be, cinematic is a great tool. Um, it's also a good tool for any other system. I know in D and D, I've gone into cinematic. The one thing is that it's a, an, a bit a bit of a, an advanced technique um, in that you really need to know like how long things will go. Yeah, you you need to have like a general idea of how long like a combat turn takes, like how much someone can get done. Even if you're doing like the cinematic mode where like you kind of stretch out and let people get a few more things done during their turn than you would on a combat turn because technically an initiative pass in Shadowrun is like a second. <laughs> but point is you have to kind of get a feel for what people can achieve uh, on their turn that isn't too much that you manage to pull back. And, and so the more you know the system, the more you're, you're familiar with like how many actions someone should be able to get done in a certain time frame mm-hmm. uh, that makes it a lot easier to manage cinematic mode and make sure no one gets left out and no one breaks it by being like, I do like 13 things. All right, all right. You can do like four of those things right now. We'll come right back to you. All right, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? Okay, you do the next seven things on that list. What are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. (laughs) And it gets really intense for the players too because they're sitting there trying to resolve their role so they can be like, I did it, I succeeded, or something like that, while they hear like someone else on their team is like being shot or like grabbed or something. And uh, and like it, it gets that sense of urgency where like you know things are happening to your team while you're trying to do your thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like real-time RPG. <laughs> yeah, which is uh, really fun um, and can sometimes be really hectic. And it's definitely not for every combat and or sequence, but it is definitely a useful and interesting way to keep the narrative going. And honestly, on that note, uh, I could move right into my favorite part for <laughs> for this uh, episode. I mean, there's a lot to choose from. A lot of amazing stuff happened this episode. This whole episode's amazing. And what amazing part did you choose for your favorite one? Uh, well, it's the it's it goes into the uh, the other half of the episode that was initiative based, where uh, where Mouse was inside the vault door, uh, Matrix host. That was so stressful. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it was my favorite part, um, because. Uh, that, I mean, that's a perfect example of an instance where you do want initiative because you want things to go in order. Um, and it makes that certain level of tension when it's not your turn and you can't interrupt, uh, which was that it was my favorite part because, uh, it's not every day that you get to have a member of the party secluded doing their own thing that no one can help with or really inform uh, and have everyone else on the table just on on edge as the person who's, like, actually taking the actions. Um, a lot of times when, uh, in Shadowrun, when, like, the hacker is doing their, like, 17 requisite hacking <laughs> roles uh, before, like, everyone else gets to do anything, uh, everyone just kind of gets a little disengaged and is like, yeah, let me know when the hacker's done. Um this was a moment where uh, everyone was very much keyed in and worried for Mouse because they they could recognize the situation was uh, a pretty big threat. 
and <laughs> just just that that moment when I realized as a GM that when I did the like whoom, whoom, whoom sound, ah! that was the reaction, <laughs> not just from you, but from everyone at the table. They all tensed up and they all got on the edge of the seat and they're like, oh my God, this is it. Mouse is going to get like her brain melted. Oh no, what do we, like I literally cannot help in any way. This is terrible. And I saw that on everyone and I was like, I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I got to keep everyone engaged and I, and I got to build that air of suspense that didn't just affect the person who was directly affected by it. Every, everyone who was playing was like super invested in that moment. And that's, uh, that's, you know, not necessarily common as a GM, uh, to, to have that opportunity. So that was my favorite part as the GM. Um, and a little, a little like, you know, second best for my favorite part is just how much everybody loved Beatrix Riddle. Uh, and, and like the, you know, this like a couple episodes ago, you all were really like Beatrix Riddle. She's so cool. She's so interesting. She's amazing. And it was really satisfying for me to be like, yeah, this person who you've built up in your head is like this, like really amazing super spy fucking just one shotted by, by Hellion. Like that was such a great payoff for you guys getting so invested in, uh, in Beatrix. She was so cool. She was. Emphasis on was. <laughs> uh, what about you? What was your favorite part? Um, so my favorite parts, because I can't just have one. It's such a good episode. <laughs> um, uh, were the two light moments. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first one where uh, Mouse is in the kill box and Cashmere is like, oh, is this what it's like for you guys when I'm an astral? <laughs> and then Bumbles is like, you're watching it on the DNI, not the same. And then Cashmere was <laughs> like, oh, so it's worse when I'm in the astral. It's like, yeah, we don't know what you're doing. <laughs> and then the other thing is when we're escaping, we're flying away, everybody's doing all these things, and then you turn to... Um, Boomer, and you're like, Boomer, what are you doing? And he's like, by God, I'm holding on to these paintings. <laughs> and it was just like so great because like at that point I had forgotten the paintings even existed. <laughs> and like and like everybody's doing all this stuff and like it's really serious. And he's just like, I, I strap my seatbelt in and I hold on to the painting. <laughs> uh, and that was like a really, really needed light note. Um, so that those were my favorite moments. Yeah. And while I could gush on forever about just the the little things in this episode that were so satisfying, um, I believe everyone, uh, myself included, would like to see what happens next. Yes. So with that, let's move on forward and listen to series two, episode seventeen, the big picture. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Mouse. I'd tell you all about me, except I don't remember it. The first thing I can remember is waking up in Doc's clinic a year and a half ago. Doc's a big scary looking troll, but he saved me from dying that night and took me in. Really, he's a big softy. I mean, he's not soft, but he's nice. And since he took me in, he's kind of felt like my dad, if I had a dad, which I don't, I don't think. But I do have a little sister, Sierra, and that's where things get complicated. I didn't even know she existed until Doc brought her to the clinic. He told me that a man died to save her from 
wherever she was, and that we had to hide her away. It cost a lot of money that I didn't have, and I'm pretty sure that Doc called in a lot of favors to make her safe. I've always owed Doc for making me a part of his family, but now I owe him a lot more. I wasn't sure how I was going to pay him back until recently. That's when I found out about The Matrix, and I just get it. It's so fun to go in and fly around and break the rules, and apparently that's what makes a good decker. And I'm a really good decker. So now I've got a way to pay Doc back for saving me and Sierra by shadow running. He isn't too happy about it, but he would never tell me what I can't do. And even though I'm bad at telling what people are thinking or feeling, I like to think that sometimes when I come back from a successful run, he's proud of me. I was born Edwin Corver, a dryad, but you can call me by my street name, Bumbles. I spent much of my life in England evading the ire of my father. I earned it first for mum's death and childbirth, which to this day, I contend is much more his fault than mine. When I turned 18, he put me to work in his factory, so he could both keep an eye on and berate me. Unfortunately for him, my attempts to upgrade the assembly line resulted in a large explosion, completely wrecking the factory. I decided to flee to the countryside where I ended up at a small university. There I made the friends I never had as a child, but presenting myself as a fellow student got out of hand and I ended up unofficially attending university for the next three years. That is until another experiment of mine went awry and I accidentally detonated the entire chemistry department. Knowing this would draw the attention of my father, I quickly left the country. My expeditious retreat put me in debt, however, and I was put to work as a shadow runner to pay it off. Turns out, I'm quite the talented rigger, and folks now pay me to blow things up. I'm meeting interesting people, making friends, and acquiring more money than I could have ever dreamed of. I got my own car. I was even able to soup it up a bit. My only regret is that I didn't come to Seattle sooner. Oh, um, hi. My name is Sora Matasara, uh, but on the streets I go by Kashmir. Uh, I'm a 20-year-old human living in the Bellevue neighborhood of Seattle. Uh, I grew up in Japan, tutored in magic at the insistence of my... my father, uh, a higher-up at Mitsuhama Computer Technologies. Uh, it wasn't the best time in my childhood. Between my mother leaving us and uh, the rigorous magical tutoring provided by my father's company, as well as well, my father in general, at least I always had my spirits. Um, I didn't get to have any real metahuman friends growing up, but my spirits were all the friends I needed. Eventually, I wanted to take my magic and my spirits and, and test them on the streets, but my very first run went very horribly wrong, and I had to leave Japan. But now I'm here in Seattle, uh, going on runs, doing karaoke with my spirits, uh, just living the life. Oh, and why Kashmir? Uh, well, it gets quite chilly at night, and apparently I'm the only person in the shadows who recognizes the value of a good cardigan. <laughs> Their loss. Hoi chummers, they call me Puma. Not sure if it's because I'm an RC or if it has something to do with my work. Nah. 
Anyway, my job's to either shoot Drek, chop it up, or break into it. You'd be surprised how stealthy a big red Oni can be. Now, I've gone and pissed off the Vori, my former employers, so I've been keeping a low profile. A Yakuza boss I hate to kill, Yama, is now my best friend and fixer. Long story there, mate. He's been keeping me busy, finding me work, keeping the Vori off my back. Thanks, mate. I may be on the run, but I enjoy getting to be my own man. So, it's time to raise some hell and geek some hoops. Look out, Seattle. It's Boomer time! The last time we left our Shadowrunning team, they were hired uh, to infiltrate an Astral Preservation Society fundraiser to break into the basement uh, and steal some stolen awakened paintings uh, that belong to an up-and-coming artist named Searsha Dermeyer. They managed to get into the basement, take out the guards that, are down, uh, that were down there. Um, while in the basement, they were cut off from the outside world, as it was a Faraday cage. Um, however, through some uh, ingenious uses of uh, data taps and a burner comlink, they managed to make an outside connection uh, so as to be able to contact their employer, Bryn. Uh, they got their hands on the paintings, and that's when everything went to hell. Uh, Havoc 66, a strange, mysterious organization that has eluded um, much investigation on, part, on the part of the party, uh, attacked the gala, um, seeming to be holding up the rich attendees for their uh, cred sticks, expensive jewelry, etc., the leader of Havoc 66, Hellion, was there and uh, made a point to tap into the team's comms so as to harass uh, Pretty B, a conversation in uh, which it was fully revealed that Hellion is the missing Jason Black from Whitmore's previous team. At that point, the team needed to make a daring escape. Pretty B held off Hellion in the Matrix long enough for Mouse to get control of the elevators and get the team out of the basement. Meanwhile, Bumbles left into action and uh, revealed that Spot had been recently modified to uh, be capable of flight. And uh, with some uh, propellers, was able to fly Spot over the uh, estate, um, flanked on either side by uh, many drones, um, which fired upon Hellion's uh, helicopter, blowing it up, making Hellion run out on foot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the team climbed into spot and made an airborne escape um, over an extremely well-equipped police blockade uh, that was closing in on them uh, in a moment of desperation, Bumbles uh, shot a message to Pretty B asking for any help he could possibly give. And a few seconds later, the entire Bellevue district went black as uh, some kind of EMP was set off. Um, Spot was bricked, uh, as was Mouse's deck and uh, everything else that was at all technologically advanced in the neighborhood. Um, and the team began to freefall uh, in Spot, 
plummeting to their deaths, uh, saved only by Bumble's uh, jury-rigging abilities to uh, kick the car back on in time to pull out of a nosedive and uh, land the car safely in the blackened streets of Bellevue. Um, you guys are now about a block away from Whitmore's estate. Um, you have just landed. Um, what do you do? <laughs> uh, okay. Um, everyone's fine. Yeah, good. Great. Uh, I look back and just sort of just cursory glance back and see. You see Mouse's feet sticking up from the, uh, the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right. I'm going to just get us to the estate. Um, just don't panic. You do need to get out of the car rather quickly when we get there. Nothing to worry about. It's fine. Don't worry. I'm just driving. <laughs> uh, so you guys uh, drive. It only takes you a little bit to get there. The entire uh, area is just black. Uh, the only light is um, the uh, neighboring districts. You can see the the like light from uh, downtown kind of like cresting up into the sky, uh, blocking most of the starlight. Um, but you guys are currently just like in total darkness. Um, and, uh, you drive up, uh, you get to the, uh, uh, you get to the Whitmore estate. The, um, gate does not open. <laughs> How sturdy a gate does it look? Uh, it, looking at it, you can, you can probably, you have low light vision, right? Yeah. Uh, looking at it, you can discern that you could probably manually like push it open. Uh, well... Because it will slide, it basically... Somebody here could manually push it open. <laughs> hey, Hi. Boomer! Can you open yeah. the gate? Yep. Uh, Boomer jumps out of the car, uh... <laughs> opens up the gate, uh, you start driving through. Boomer, do you hop back in the car, or do you just walk alongside it? Well, I'm not gonna leave it open. Okay. <laughs> he closes the gate behind the car. <laughs> um, at this point, Spot's going... Uh, he's starting to, uh, uh, the, the ride is not smooth. He seems to be, uh, the engine seems to be dying. Uh, you get about halfway to the estate and the engine kicks out and you just start coasting towards the, uh, towards the fountain parking area. Well, this is terrifying. Um, yes, this is the terrifying part. <laughs> Nobody panic. And, uh, you coast the car in slowly and just kind of... Like turn it into like kind of a parking spot nearby the fountain, and it you know loses momentum and stops. Uh, all right, I hop out of the car. I grab my tools and I pop the hood. So um, normally the power supply puts power into the engine, and then you know the engine uses it. Um, but with the EMP, that was sort of disrupted. So what I did was I, I made the power supply feedback loop and just sort of force it through. And if everyone could just move far away, well, I'll fix that in case I can't. Yeah, and he, uh, he lifts up the hood and there's just this like torrent of like, of like dark putrid smoke just like billowing up uh, uh, and this like red hot like core in the center. <laughs> um, so... Mouse, as soon as the car stops, doesn't even wait for Bumbles to open the thing, starts booking it towards the, um, towards the hub. Mouse, uh, wait up. Oh, you follow her, Boomer? I'm getting the hell out of that thing. <laughs> getting away from the... <laughs> yes, that is a very good idea. I guess I'll follow. 
All right. Uh, so uh, everyone but Bumbles goes running up the stairs towards the the main doors. Uh, you open it up. You walk in. It's still like dark. The entire estate is dark. Um, but you hear, "Who is it?" Uh, you hear Whitmore shout out. It's Mouse. Boomer. Cashman. He comes wheeling in um, from a. Uh, uh, through a door, um, he's got a flashlight on his lap. Uh, he wheels in and he goes, what the frag happened? I'm pretty sure that Bryn set off an EMP and I'm really, I gotta go. And I keep going. Uh, he starts wheeling behind you, uh, trying to ask Boomer and Kashmir exactly what went down on the job. Uh, you get to the study. Um, you press Seattle in Japan. Uh, the secret door opens up, and uh, at that point, um, there's a little... And Whitmore's like, oh, the backup generator's kicking in, so we should be, uh, we should be able to see our way down, at least. And uh, some lights start flickering on, mm-hmm. and uh, you run down the ramp uh, into the cave where uh, the hub is, and... Um, your the lights are kicking on all the like spotlights in there, and you see uh, the hub, all the screens, um, and a good two thirds of them are shattered, uh, and if the other ones seem to be having like you know boot up malfunctions with like you know the imagery, um, and the large chair that Bryn uh, sits in uh, is overturned, and Bryn is laying there still uh, beside it. I run over to him and I try to fix him. <laughs> you try to fix them? Well, I don't know. It's like a medicine check, or like I, okay. take, I have my first aid kit. Cause I... uh, yeah. Uh, okay. So uh, go ahead and roll first aid for me. Okay. Four hits. Okay. Uh, so uh, you you come running down. You just sprint towards him, and as soon as uh, Whitmore gets uh, visual on him, he goes Bryn! And he starts wheeling faster to try and catch up. At that point, you've dropped your knees, uh, turned him over. Uh, there is blood coming out of his nose and one of his ears. Uh, and uh, you pull out the med kit. Um, this is very obviously a bunch of matrix damage that has been dealt to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you start working on him. Um, what a cashmere and boomer, what are you guys doing? Um, I'm going to go see if I can help out uh, Mouse with uh, Bryn. Yeah, when she's done with her um, mundane healing, I can provide magical healing. I also have a um, a stim patch, if that's what's needed here. Uh, so, Mouse, uh, you've injected him uh, with uh, certain medicines that you know will soothe uh, Matrix fatigue, and um, there's a moment of pause, and he's laying there still. At that point, Whitmore gets there, and he drops out of his chair uh, so as to get down next to Bryn and, like, support his head as you're working on him. And there's a, a second passes, another second passes, a third second passes. <coughs> and uh, he, opens his eye, he opens one of his eyes. The other one seems to be having trouble opening. And he looks, and he sees you huddle over him. He sees Whitmore, and he goes, what I miss? And he, and, he, and he smiles. His, his teeth are all bloodied. Um, not that much. Why would you do that? That's so dumb. And I smack him. Oh. He goes unconscious. No. <laughs> Bryn is dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, he goes, oh, wait, wait. And he like kind of looks around, takes in the scene. He goes, where's, 
Where's Bumbles? Uh, uh, have I fixed the car at this Roll point? an automotive mechanic for me, Bumbles. <laughs> that is five hits. Okay. Uh, so you, uh, you kind of like reach in. You can't see because uh, the smog is all in your eyes, but you know right, this But engine. this is like a blind man who's lived in his house for 50 years. Exactly. <laughs> you know where everything is. So you reach down under the, the core uh, and uh, it's like burning hot, but you manage to like grab the like one uh, component you need to like rip out to have it start venting. Uh, and there's a uh, mixed in with the red or with the uh, black uh, smog is just like this white uh, steam that goes and uh, you pull back and move around to the other side and you jam like a tool in and start tweaking and tweaking and tweaking and slowly the, uh, uh, the red glow of uh, the energy core of the car starts like fading down, fading down and uh, the smoke starts to subside and it goes and it, uh, it, it levels out. Uh, all right, I'll, I'll pat Spot. Good boy, you, um, you take a rest. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, back down in the uh, in the hub. Uh, uh, so then I will head down to the hub now. Right, right. Uh, what what happened to Bumbles? Is Bumbles okay? He's, He's with the car. Yeah. It almost exploded. Well, it fell from the sky. And then I'm it gonna... almost exploded. Well, I don't know. He said it was fine, so it's probably okay. But he did say not to panic. <laughs> so, But I think it's fine. Uh, at that yeah, point, I'm going to hold off on a status report for now. <laughs> at that point, uh, Bumbles comes walking in to the, uh, into the hub. All right. Good news, everyone. Um, this area of Seattle is not flattened. So that's good. <laughs> Wait. Area. Let's move what, on. Brynn, how are you? What the hell is running that thing? <laughs> uh, and he kind of like props himself up. Uh, he's actually trying to help Whitmore back into the chair. I help. Uh, Whitmore gets back in the chair easy enough. He didn't really need help, but he doesn't like swat you guys away. Um, and then I sit Brynn in the chair. <laughs> you you put the, the uh, chair of the hub back upright and sit Brynn in it. Uh, and... Uh, he seems a little worse for wear. Um, there's a one, the one eye that's having trouble opening is definitely starting to bruise. Um, and Does he look like he needs more healing? Uh, he definitely could use more healing. I can do that. <laughs> All right, roll a cast that heal spell. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Bumbles, uh, I'm, I'm really glad you guys... Were you a high enough altitude to avoid the EMP? No. Uh, I didn't know what else to do. I, you guys were being surrounded. No, that was bloody brilliant. Um, I mean, I figured you had some weird backup generator in that thing anyways, so... Something like that. So you didn't know? I didn't have enough time to assess the situation. I had to do something. You guys were getting closed in on and asked for help. I couldn't think of what else to do. Uh, that's six hits. <laughs> we got so lucky. Well, you're skilled, and if there's anything Bumbles is good at, it's fixing things, so... It was a calculated risk. Otherwise, you guys would have been geeked anyways. Yeah, about about that, Bumbles. What's running your... What's running, Spot? Um, you know, an engine. <laughs> that runs on... Power... From... Fusion. Fusion. <laughs> <laughs> Bryn seems at, at a loss, uh, and Whitmore kind of like, he's now situated in his chair. So, tell me exactly what happened. I heard 
Havoc 66 was involved? Yeah. Uh, when we everything was going really smooth, according to my plan. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got downstairs. I uh, killed a spirit with my bare hands. Mouse, show them the video. <laughs> I don't... I don't need to see the video. Continue. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll show you later because you got to see it. Uh, so I kill the spirit with my bare hands. And then we uh, bust into the vault, get the goods, head upstairs. Hey, what do you know? Everyone's been stuck up by Havoc 66. Lots of stuff happened. Made it out. Turns out Spot can fly and has a nuclear reactor. We almost became an A-bomb. Uh, um, to be, you know, just perfectly frank, um, hydrogen bomb would be more accurate. <laughs> oh, that's way better. Whatever. It's not going to matter because I would have been vaporized, but that's, but we're here. Well, you, you said that Havoc 66 was sticking people up. That yeah, doesn't, um, I have, uh, um, what do you know about Agatha Harding that, uh, uh, Miss Riddle would want to rob her because that's why Hellion was there to get whatever this Riddle woman was after. He got it. I mean, yes, he did, but that's why he came. It's a small, like, ring that plugs into stuff. It's like a Laffy Taffy flash drive. <laughs> <laughs> Hellion made this move to take something from Beatrix Riddle, the, the Neonet uh, operative. Yeah, well... So Beatrix Riddle came to the gala to rob Agatha Harding. Well, we don't know if she... She came there for something from Agatha Harding's personal safe in her room. And then Hellion came for whatever Beatrix Riddle did, took, slash, left. Bryn and uh, Whitmore uh, exchange a look. And uh, Bryn kind of coughs up a little bit of blood. Uh, he's, he's looking a little bit like... More, he, he's like less. He's less slumped over. He's looking a little bit more like in control of his body uh, after you've cast that healing spell on him. Uh, so he's like, you know, the blood seems to like not be like pouring out of his nose anymore. He's he still looks like shit, but he's like, you know, actually sitting up in the chair instead of just like using it as like support from the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes, "This, this is a bold move for Hellion. He's he's been working." Uh, below even my radar for quite some time now for him to do something so public. Uh, I don't, I don't know what he took from Beatrix Riddle, but it, it, we have to find out. Um, and, uh, Whitmore goes, because if he's willing to go public, that means he's, he's prepared to make his move. This is, this has been years in the making and I, we're not prepared at all for this. You should all rest. I'll do some research tonight and see what I can find out. On it. <laughs> <laughs> Bryn, Bryn uh, uh, kind of sits there. Um, he presses a couple buttons in his AR. Uh, some of the s- semi-functional screens on the, uh, on the hub seem to be, like, booting up properly now. Um, and he goes, yeah, um, <clears throat> I'll, I'll help Whitmore. I'll, uh, I'll help. And he, like, tries to, like, tur- like, stand up and move the chair closer to the hub and when he does like his leg kind of gives out and he almost falls over yeah you're not really in any shape to do things why don't you come rest too and uh boomer goes over picks him up puts him on his shoulder you done plenty tonight 
he seems like he wants to like fight you guys on it, but he also has such little strength right now that like he submits and a big red only finger touches <laughs> his lips before he can say anything. And he just, uh, uh, with your finger on his lips, his, his, his mouth kind of curls into a smile and then he just like nods, like closing his eyes like heavily. Yeah. I will, uh, help support him to wherever he stays as well. Also, um, do, do we need to, I think we need to get mouse down pretty soon because she's on a stim patch right now that is going to wear off pretty soon. Mouse goes onto my other shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I don't, I'm fine. I can actually walk. I ran here. I ran here. Big red oni finger on Mouse's mouth. <laughs> mouth well, now. And I think I can fix the hub if you let me go. Once those, once those stim packs wear off, you're going to, it'd be really awkward if you'd happened on some stairs. So make it as far as you can. I'm going to drop him off. Uh, so you guys, uh, Bryn kind of like directs you guys to um, some of the living quarters in the mansion. Uh, they're very nice rooms, well furnished. Uh, only person who has a bed this big is Bumbles. Um, <laughs> and um, I have a bed. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you each have your own room, um, and they're large, king-sized beds. Um, and uh, you all get into your room. Uh, Mouse, just before you guys get to your room, mm-hmm. like uh, Bumble or Boomer is uh, is like walking with you. And then you just like you take one step and you just kind of stop. And Boomer, like you take a couple extra steps and you turn around and see Mouse just standing there. Uh oh. <laughs> she says, uh oh, and then <laughs> crumples to the ground. <laughs> I catch her. OK, so you catch her before she hits the ground and then you easily lift her up. And carry her to her bed and lay her down. I, I I put her in bed and put the blanket over her, kind of tuck her in. Take off her boots. <laughs> I'm not wearing boots. I'm still in my very bloody dress. Oh, right. Uh, you take off her high heels. <laughs> I'm co- covered in blood. <laughs> uh, he looks at the dress. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, just leave it, Puma. I mean, yeah. dry cleaning is a thing. Yeah, I I don't want any questions. <laughs> uh, Bumbles, Boomer, Cashmere, you all go to your respective beds and. Um, I would like uh, a brief moment with Bryn uh, to talk to him if he's up for it. Sure. Does he seem like he seem like he's in a position to have a conversation? Maybe? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Boomer, you go to your uh, room. Cashmere, you go to your room. Uh, Bumbles, instead of going to your room, you actually enter Bryn's room. Yeah. Uh, he seems to be sitting and uh, looking at something in his AR display, um, like kind of like slouched over on the on the corner of the bed. And then uh, he doesn't notice you for a second. And then he kind of like blinks out of it and looks over. And, oh, uh, Bumbles, what? How can I help you? Um, I have several unrelated questions. Um, first. Uh, this is more to like just broach the topic to talk about later when you're less wounded. Um, do you know what's up with Mouse? Because I have a theory and you might have more information than me. What's up with Mouse? How do you mean? I mean, she was a little upset before you guys went into the gala event. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, I'm talking about the very obvious brain damage and the weird set of skills she's retained post-brain damage. Oh, um, 
as far as I know, Mouse didn't exist before she showed up in Doc's clinic. Uh, I did a thorough background check on uh, all of you, and I was able to pick up the threads of most of your uh, origins, but Mouse actually remains a mystery to me. I assumed that she might have been uh, a Decker beforehand, like a Shadowrunner, and uh, suffered some serious uh, brain damage in um, some kind of Matrix fight and uh, lost most of her memory. Um, I mean, that seems possible. Um, one, uh, a couple things just to think about. Um, I, you're going to be able to do better research than me, and I don't really know how pressing this is. Um, she seems, like, weirdly comfortable around corporate types. Um, also, she spotted a rather well-concealed gun on Miss Riddle, and uh, the Evo vampire researcher seemed to recognize her, or at least think she worked for Evo. Uh, his eyes get wide, and he goes, she... Uh, Penelope Green, right? The researcher, she recognized Mouse? Um, I don't know if she recognized her so much as she treated Mouse as if it was not absurd that Mouse was there. He sits and processes that for a second. Um, you said you had a theory. I mean, I got a couple. Um, so first theory, um, I think Mouse might have sort of done what Beatrix Riddle does, but maybe for Evo. That doesn't seem entirely far-fetched. You'd think they would have scooped her up, though. Why would she end up in the middle of the Barrens? Uh, You know, I don't know. Um, Like I said, I got a lot of threads that don't really seem to go anywhere, and I'm bad at the Matrix, so I can't really follow them. Yeah, I mean, knowing to... I could look into Evo and see, um, obviously, when I have the time. Right, we've got sort of more pressing things. Yeah, but I'll... Thank you for bringing this to my attention. Uh, I can at least say that I'm I'm fairly certain that Mouse isn't some sort of double agent, if you're worried about that. Oh, no, no, I mean, I don't... I mean this in no detrimental way to Mouse. I don't believe she possesses the brain capacity to deceive. (laughs) Uh, No, she she most certainly does not. It has been uh, well documented on uh, what few runs she's gone on. She is incapable of of any sort of direct subterfuge. (laughs) Right. Um, Okay, that sort of crosses the first thing off the list. Um, The second, I don't know if I should really talk to you or Whitmore, but salary, right? We've sort of been recruited into a war and soldiers typically are salaried and Whitmore is quite rich and I'm basically just limited by money and how much I can help here. He sits there for a second. His smile smile seems almost forced that he's maintaining and then it kind of dips down. He goes, I would define that as a touchy subject. Sure. Um, I would advise you not to try and pitch it to Whitmore. He probably won't take kindly to it. Okay. Um, to put it in, uh, to put it concisely, Whitmore's done that before. Ah. Oh. And it didn't turn out very well. Right. With the whole Helly and his Jason thing. Oh, you caught that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause <laughs> I can hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, I imagine Whitmore will want to catch you guys up to speed. And yeah. all I can say is that if you four continue to uh, perform as you have been, 
You'll earn his trust. Okay, fair enough. Uh, so this is a question for you, Tommy. Sure. Um, so the hub, I know, operating it is a DECA thing. Mm-hmm. Rebuilding it? is I mean, is that something I could do? You have the hardware skill, right? I do. Yeah. Okay. So, um, okay, that's sort of the second thing on my list. Third thing, how did you make an EMP? He smiles at that and he goes, uh, it wasn't easy. Um, no, I imagine not. I managed to uh, get several uh, matrix towers overloading at the same time. Oh. Uh, and then put through a, a special bit of code uh, of mine to uh, basically take those overloaded circuits and create a makeshift EMP. That's bloody brilliant. It hurt a lot. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's probably... That's, like, the sexiest thing anyone has ever said, <laughs> like, that sentence all at once. Um, and I'll kiss him. Oh. <laughs> he kisses you back. <laughs> what? Uh, and then I, uh, uh, you, you get some rest because um, you're very handsome, but you look like someone beat the shit out of you. Someone kind of did. <laughs> all right. Have a good night. You too, Bumbles. And he watches you go. <laughs> uh, and I head to bed. Okay. Meanwhile, in Boomerland, Boomer is bringing all of his gear in. He sees a giant bed, and he looks at his guns and says, "Look, there's enough room for everybody." <laughs> oh, I can't wait to tell y'all about my mission. Sorry, I couldn't bring you. And, uh, he gets ready for bed with his. With his friends. Yep, and you lay out all your guns on the bed. There's enough room for you and them, and you fall asleep happy. Um, um, so if everyone goes to sleep, if there's no interruption, I'd like to wake up early and run a quick errand. Sure. Um, so you all go to sleep. Uh, it's a restful sleep for most of you, except Kashmir. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe not so early. Oh, no, maybe really early. <laughs> so, Kashmir, you uh, fall asleep pretty quickly. You've had a long night. Um, and next thing you know, um, you're having a dream that is more of a memory than a dream. Uh, you're sitting in a classroom um, with one of your actually liked teachers uh, back at Mitsuhama. Um, her name was Ume Imamura. And uh, she taught you uh, defensive magic. Most of uh, your sessions with her were simulations. Uh, she would use a blend of uh, illusion spells and um, matrix trids uh, to create a fictional surrounding around you and put you through different uh, situations um, uh, as part of your grooming to be a uh, astral bodyguard. Um, so often you were, you know, given a principle to defend, uh, a fake principle to defend, and then um, Ume would disguise herself as someone in uh, the scene and would uh, try to take out the principle in various ways, and you would have to uh, anticipate and defend against that. Um, this was a particularly good session for you. Uh, you did well, and um, you guys are uh, finished practicing, and you're packing up your stuff. Um, the one thing about uh, Professor Imamura is that uh, she was never seen without her uh, Scottish fold cat 
um, which would always sit off to the side and watch these uh, simulations. You didn't dislike the cat, but it always seemed a little strange to you. Uh, you assumed it was magically related in some way. Um, so you guys are packing up, and uh, she speaks to you, uh, saying, uh, you did well. Uh, you're beginning to read the situation well enough to anticipate what school of magic you should be on the lookout for. But you have to remember something. The onus of protecting the principal isn't solely on you. You have to be able to rely on your team. And uh, you're you know, straightening up your stuff, uh, collecting your books. Uh, what do you mean? Once you've graduated, you'll be assigned to a security team comprised of individuals, mundane and awakened, whose skills complement yours. These simulations are designed to represent that. Assess your team's skills. Trust them to bring their full talents to bear when faced with a threat. Otherwise, you're going to try to take on more than you can handle and get yourself killed in the process. And the number one thing to remember is you can't do your job if you're dead. It's not like you're a shadow runner, forced to rely on a bunch of sociopaths in life or death situations. <laughs> uh, you kind of, you do a, a slight awkward chuckle because you've been thinking about shadow running. Mm -hmm. uh, and you say, uh, a shadow runner, you say, hoping that maybe she can tell you a little bit about that life. Uh, at this point, she uh, has her back turned to you and she's packing up her last bag. And uh, the cat, who usually sits off like uh, off to the side, jumps off the bookshelf it's on and walks up to her for attention, kind of curling around her legs. Uh, she pets it while continuing to speak, back turned to you. Shadowrunners get each other killed, plain and simple. They form temporary fraternities that are doomed to failure. They're going to get you killed, Kashmir. Well, I... Wait, what? What did you say? Uh, you suddenly realize that this memory is not fully a memory. Uh, and the cat curls around uh, in front of her, looking back towards you, and its eyes glow like headlights. If you stay with them, you're going to die. You better run. And then you wake up. <sighs> At this point, it's about six in the morning. Oh, God. And you wake up in a cold sweat. Um, I just sit there for a while. I, I, I begin to pace. My temptation is to call my spirits to comfort me, but they've just been through so much that I do not. I go for a walk, for an early morning walk. Uh, you get up, you walk out of your room, you go down, um, and uh, you're met with Whitmore, mm -hmm. uh, who is um, wheeling to the sound of noise. Uh, and he, he sees you and he goes, you're up early. Uh, yes, just unfamiliar bed, you know. Fair enough, I suppose. Uh, you want to help me with something? Oh, I was going to take a walk, but... I, I Come on, I could use an extra set of hands. Uh, uh, sure, uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, he wheels you down uh, into the uh, hub uh, where wires abound as, <laughs> as uh, uh, several uh, panels that looked like stone uh, behind the hub have been removed to reveal an intricate uh, technological jungle. <laughs> um, and uh, he, uh, he goes, all right, so I know you're, you're not great with uh, you know, technological stuff, but I didn't want to wake up uh, Bumbles or uh, Mouse or Bryn. Uh, so 
I just I need an extra set of hands. I'm gonna I'm gonna unplug something here, and I need you to uh, just adjust the dial over there. Okay. And uh, he kind of like gets down from the chair and like gets down on the ground nearby something, and he's like, "Do you see the dial?" And you do. It's it's you know, uh, it's it looks kind of like a round light switch. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he goes, "All right. So uh, right now it's about at three o'clock. I need you to turn it down to seven o'clock uh, when, when I." Pull this wire. Okay, sure. All right, here we go. And uh, he pulls it, and it goes, and you turn the dial, mm-hmm. and there's a, and a big spark of, a uh, big, like, stream of sparks shoots, like, at your face. Ah. <laughs> ah, that was, that was a live one. Uh, you all right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, he's climbing back into his chair, and he wheels back around, and you see uh, uh, the screens are starting to turn on. Um the ones that aren't like completely shattered. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of the images from before are starting to uh, go like filter through uh, the different images of areas of Seattle. He goes, there we go. Now Bryn can get something done. <laughs> okay, great. Um, you, uh, you seem a little shaken. Uh, it's, it's the sparks, uh, you know, I'm not quite the handyman usually. He, he smiles like a wry smile and goes, you seemed shaken as you were coming down the stairs, son. Um, just, uh, I had a bad dream. Eh, I, I know what those are like. More than a few myself. This always helps. And he, he wheels uh, up into the study and opens up a drawer and pulls out a nice bottle of scotch. <laughs> oh, it's six in the morning. It's never too early for scotch. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um, he pours himself a little, like, half measure and pours you one, too, and he goes, you, you did good last night. All four of you did. I'm proud. Uh, well, thank you so much. That's good of, good of you to say. I was going to wake everyone up in a couple hours. Uh, he clinks glasses, uh, glasses with you and takes a drink. Sure. Um, if you need to go for a walk, go for a walk, uh, but don't leave the grounds. Um, actually, he thinks for a second and goes, you shouldn't leave the house. So if you're going to walk, walk around the halls. Oh. Uh, if you need to think about some stuff. But uh, it's... there's just a lot of fallout after. Right. Sure. So you should definitely stay indoors. And uh, I'll collect everybody in a couple hours uh, okay. to talk in the hub. Is there any way, is there anyone we could send uh, to fetch something? Is just sort of an errand. What do you need? What do you need? Um... Just some groceries. Uh, j- just um, just some oysters from Pike's Place Fish Market. I have oysters. Oh. Here, I'll show you the kitchen. <laughs> okay, great. And he wheels you into the kitchen. It is a well-stocked kitchen. Cool. I uh, uh, grab a, a plate of oysters, and then I say, ah, and if I'm so sorry, do you think I could get just another small pour of scotch? Of course. Yeah. Pours you another one and uh, drinks himself as well. Great. Um, thank you. It gets easier with time, this kind of stuff. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but it's the truth. Okay. Uh, and he kind of like pats you on the like side of the arm and uh, says, we'll reconvene at the hub at around 8 o'clock. Great. Um, sounds good. Th- thank you for everything. And he wheels off. Um, so whenever Boomer wakes up, because 
waking up, up early would sort of do away with the gesture I'm about to make. But <laughs> whenever Boomer wakes up and walks out, I want to, as sort of a, a thank you, and I'm, I'm sorry for the way last night went down, I present him with a tray of oysters <laughs> and a drink of scotch. Oh, you read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Cash. You're welcome, Boomer. Thank you. <laughs> he slurps up all the oysters. <laughs> They're actually pretty good. You want one? Uh, sure. <laughs> he feeds you an oyster. <laughs> oh, uh, thanks, Boomer. Uh, the rest of you guys wake up. Um, yeah. I uh, I check my link with Spot. He's still there. How's he doing? You can see through uh, through your layout. Uh, he is he's still pretty heavily damaged uh, on the electronic front, um, but you seem to have made him uh, more or less functional. Um, a little more time uh, working on him, and you can probably get him back to a hundred percent. Okay, I was afraid to move him last night. Mm-hmm. I will park him in the garage because the police are looking for a large flying tank. Cool. Uh, you are you jumping in to do that, or uh, I'll just do it remotely as I sort of head down. Okay. Uh, you glance out a window to, to see like if he's in exactly the same spot as before he is, uh, but he's got a big tarp over him. Oh, that's smart. Uh, and, uh, you kick him on, you drive and the tarp just kind of like falls off and, uh, you drive him over, uh, to the, uh, to the large garage on the, uh, the Eastern side of the estate. And, uh, it opens up for you. You pull in park. Great. At this point, um, Whitmore collects everybody, uh, basically lets everyone know. He sends, like, a message out, like, saying, uh, meet in the hub. All right. I, um, stop at the kitchen. Okay. And grab something breakfasty and not soy-based. <laughs> uh, there's almost nothing soy-based here that shouldn't be. Uh, <laughs> it's all real food. And, uh, yeah, you can cook up some eggs or something. Is there cookie crisp? <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, I come down to the hub with a bowl of cookie crisp. <laughs> uh, Boomer also heads to the kitchen in his boots, pair of shorts, and an undershirt. Sees the box of cookie crisp out, pours himself two bowls. <laughs> he eats one in the kitchen really quick and then takes one downstairs. <laughs> Um, um, I see Boomer enter the hub with his cookie crisp. I go, wait, are you, didn't we just have a, a plate of, didn't you just have a plate of oysters? Oh yeah, that was a nice snack. Okay. Uh, also now that Boomer's in just, uh, boxers, uh, undershirt and his boots, uh, you always knew he was very heavily tattooed. Uh, you could see it peeking up, uh, around his neck and also, uh, like whenever he was wearing, like not long sleeves and gloves, you notice that his hands were heavily tattooed, as were his arms. Um, but his legs are also heavily tattooed as well. He's got stars on his knees, uh, as well as a bunch of other tattoos just uh, littering his body. Um, Knowing Boomer and seeing the hints of tattoos and also being totally sheltered, I just assumed he had tattoos everywhere. <laughs> this, this comes as no surprise to Cashmere. He goes, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you all enter... Uh, Whitmore is uh, sitting there uh, in his chair. Um, there's no other chairs except for the hub chair for anyone to sit in. 
I sit on the floor. It takes me a really long time to get down to the hub. And then I sit on the floor because I'm tired. <laughs> I just stand up slurping from the spoon. I'm still wearing my dress. And I'm still, I haven't washed my face or anything. <laughs> I'm over by that dress with the fun magical trinkets. They seem really, um, I'm, I'm sort of drawn to them in a way I can't. Uh, it's, it's nice. I turn on the sparklies on my dress. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, you, you all enter and he goes, all right. So last night went to hell. And I've been thinking about catching you guys up to speed on the Havoc 66 situation. I was hoping we would have more time, but Hellion has forced our hands. So the first thing you need to do is you need to understand who Hellion is and how Havoc 66 came to be. You have a lot of catching up to do, and uh, you four are all we've got. Um, I don't mean that as an insult. I just... Wish we had more time to prepare. Uh, so, <laughs> as you four know, uh, my parents were uh, killed in a plane accident when I was 10 years old. Uh, this was not an accident. Uh, their will stated that I was to take control of the company once I finished uh, getting my master's. And... Until then, the board of directors was in charge. Uh, prior to their death, a AAA corporation called Saderkrupp uh, bought out the board of directors and uh, saw to it that my parents' uh, plane never made its destination. They were currently in, in heated uh, negotiations with Saderkrupp and another mining company, uh, and they were not giving Saderkrupp an inch. And... Uh, Apparently, that was something worth killing them over. It later turned out that the, uh, the mine in question had a large store of orichalcum, uh, which is an extremely rare magical... It doesn't matter. Point is, Satercrup saw to my parents' death and couldn't quite kill me through some freak accident. Um, what I have heard of orichalcum? You know it all. It's what makes reagents. Oh, sick. Yeah, uh, a gram of orichalcum makes a reagent. So an entire mine full of orichalcum. Uh, and that's just, reagents are the simplest form of refined orichalcum. Um, oh, and you so can make fetishes, uh, foci, everything. Oh. With, uh, it's, basically, it is the ultimate magical uh, resource. Yes, and where is this mine exactly? It was in Sao Paulo, but now it's, it's all dried up. Oh, this was a long time ago. <laughs> As I grew up, uh, I tended to my school, and uh, that's where I found out. I, I never really, the, my parents' death never really sat well with me. Uh, so I made some friends in the shadows and found out what I needed to find out to confirm uh, that Sater Krupp was involved. Uh, at that point, once I finished my studies, uh, I took control of the company as per my parents' will. I completely restructured, got rid of everyone who was on any AAA payroll, and filled the company with people I could trust. And for two years, I attempted to outsmart the corporations at their own game, which I soon found was impossible. Their resources, their tenacity, their willingness to work with each other when it is convenient, 
It makes it impossible. So I liquidated my parents' company, made a fortune, and took to shadow running myself, figuring that was the only place that I could make a difference. It went well for a while until uh, I got old and I got slow. I was mid-40s when uh, this happened. And he gestures at the wheelchair. Uh, particularly crafty hacker managed to make my uh, suit over there malfunction and snap my back. Uh, and uh, I had to retire from shadow running because of it. But I couldn't leave well enough alone, so I hired a team. I hired Bryn, his sister, Enna. Uh, Lariel was a good friend of mine. I had known her for a while and uh, sought out Jason Black, uh, who was very young and very talented for his age. They were all 18, 19 years old, except for Lariel. She's been along, uh, around uh, longer than I even know. Things went well for a while, a good 15 years, in fact. We made a big difference. Um, I changed my focus less on uh, completely stamping out the corpse and more mitigating the damage they caused to those that no one else cares about. As the four of you have come to know me, uh, you understand my uh, mission, as it were. Jason was extremely talented and very headstrong. He thought we could take on the corpse. He didn't like all the rules I put on the team. Uh, there were many times we had to let evil people go in order to spare innocence. And uh, it started to cause a fracture in the team until one job, they were tracking down a uh, serial killer who was a son of a corporate executive. So the police had little to no interest in tracking him down. Uh, he had already stood trial once and the jury was bought out. Situation came to, uh, to a standoff. Uh, Bryn and Enna were elsewhere. Lariel and Jason were with the killer. The uh, man in question was crafty and uh, knew how to work against us and uh, put innocent lives in danger. Lariel instructed Jason to let him run and save the innocents. Jason didn't care, and Lariel tried to stop him, and Jason lashed out and killed Lariel. At that point, Bryn and Enna arrive. Enna tried to subdue Jason. Jason eliminated Enna, took Bryn's hand, and fled, claiming that he was going to change the world. He was going to succeed where we failed. Uh, he had been talking up a storm recently. He seemed to change in that last year pretty significantly, uh, becoming more radical in his beliefs that uh, more could be done. I didn't think it was going to come to that, but it did. So, Bryn and I worked with the shadows a little bit together after we recovered from that. Uh, we tried to find teams on occasion to do work for us, but most of them were no good. And then we happened upon you four. Um, we actually were looking into Victor LeBlanc joining Havoc 66. We were trying to prevent that, and uh, you four walked in and did it for us. And what's more is you, uh, you rescued him from his troubled home life. Uh, and that showed a, a deal of, like I've said before, empathy that other shadow runners and people in general in this world don't have. So 
I'd like to take this moment to let you know exactly what you saved Victor from that night. And he uh, presses a button in his AR, and the working screens uh, come up with an image. Uh, it seems to be a camera attached to someone's like chest. And he goes, this is a bug that we placed on a prospective Havoc 66 member. Um, this is their initiation process. The, uh, the scene seems to be in a burnt-down theater. All the seats seem to have been removed. There is still a stage functional. There's lots of water damage. Um, and uh, it seemed like there's probably like a, a fire or something because one of the walls is just like char black. Um, and uh, you see a bunch of people all standing around. Uh, it's kind of hard to see because the, the, the person is in a crowd. But uh, uh, you get the, the, the gist that like you just you see what seems to be a group of like shadow runners, gangers, etc. Like just hardened people. Uh, and they're standing around, and they all seem to be, like, chatting about, like, well, what's going on? We were all supposed to meet here. What's going on? Uh, so you get the idea that none of these people are uh, current Havoc 66 members. Um, after a few seconds of, uh, of people standing around awkwardly and one person being like, when's this going to start? Uh, there's a loud bang, uh, like a door shutting, and from behind the stage comes a procession of, uh, of masked individuals, um, all wearing, uh, uh, like... And some form or another, some kind of 66, like a pin. Uh, a couple of them have tattoos. One has it, like, on his, like, bandana he's wearing. Uh, and they all walk out. They don't react to the people uh, who are currently in the room. They instead uh, make a perimeter around them, blocking all the exits. And uh, they are heavily armored and heavily armed. They're, they're all holding uh, uh, fine weaponry, both melee and ranged. Um, and they have these people surrounded, and they don't say anything. And there's a pause, and then everyone, like, all the people are kind of, like, back-to-back looking around, uh, not sure what to make of it. Um, and then uh, there's footsteps on the stage, and in walks in uh, Hellion, uh, still wearing black motorcycle jacket, black motorcycle helmet, spray-painted smiley face, pretty much exactly how you guys have seen him before. Uh, he walks in, all attention turns to him, and uh, he speaks. You are all weak. And there's some murmuring and chuckles amongst the people, like, who is this guy? Who does he think? And uh, he goes, shut up! And it cuts across the room, and everyone just immediately goes silent. You've heard the old adage, everything has a price. It's a lie created by the corpse passed down from ganger to runner to give us a sense that the system, as it exists, offers us some kind of sustainable path. You think if you outplay the system, you can come out on top. And that's a load of dreck, my friends. And you can't wrap, if you can't wrap your head around that, you have no place here. You are weak because the system sees fit to keep you weak. I look around and I see people who are willing to be trodden on in the hopes that they'll get tossed a bone from those with more power than them. It's easy to say, frag the corpse, frag the wealthy, and then sit there and roll over for what scraps they're willing to give you. I, for one, am tired of stepping to their tune. Havoc 66 is here to make life a living hell for the corpse. We exist to get back at them for all the people they've ground up in their perpetual profit machine. Some question our methods, but if you ask me, every civilization gets the criminal it deserves. We'll adopt the corpse mantra of the ends justify the means. We'll show them what it's like to live in fear, 
to feel weak. Uh, at this point, a uh, troll in the crowd laughs loudly, and uh, Hellion pauses and kind of like cocks his head at him. He goes, you calling me weak? You don't look tough. What are you, five foot three? You know, shrimp. You don't scare me at all, your little mask trick. Fuck you. I thought I was getting in with a good gang here, not just some kid trying to be tough. Could you come up here for a moment, my friend? Let's compare our sizes, shall we? And the, uh, the troll like, kind of like chuckles. Everyone looks at him like, ooh, are you going to take it? You know, he's obviously a challenge. And the troll like, shrugs it off like, yeah, whatever. And uh, climbs up on stage. He's like twice as tall as Hellion. Uh, and he's looking down at him and he's like, yeah, you are a big fellow. Well, you find me so weak, take your shot. At this point, the troll like, kind of looks around. Like, what, are you serious? My goons won't shoot you. They respect strength. If you can strike me down, then you can take control of my gang and do whatever you want. And uh, the troll like, kind of turns around, like, his back to Hellion, like, l- laughing and looking at the crowd, like, kind of pumping him up. And everyone's like, it doesn't seem like anyone in the crowd actually expects this to go well for Hellion. Uh, at this point, uh, he turns around and tries to sucker punch Hellion. Um, you know, trying to use his uh, momentary uh, parlay with the crowd to uh, seem like he wasn't going to strike. And he turns and he punches with extreme speed. And you all have seen this before. Uh, Hellion, uh, in one swift motion, uh, parries the blow, jumps up, roundhouse kicks the guy in the face, and he falls down dead. Uh, Kashmir, roll a perception test for me. Three hits. Okay. Uh, so he kicks the guy, he falls down dead, and, uh, he turns back to the crowd. Uh, there's shocked silence. Um, the perimeter of Havoc 66 members, completely unfazed, standing, uh, stoic, uh, on the side. How does one become strong? Through hardship, pain, and, he gestures to the dead body, death. In death, we are at our most powerful. A death can have meaning. One death can have more ramifications than a lifetime of actions. Look around. There's 15, well, 14 of you now. And here at Havis 66, we only have room for about five of you. But I don't want the weak. Through the deaths of others in this room, you will be given strength. You'll carry their deaths with you as the first martyrs in your fight against the corpse. There's no turning back. This is your initiation to Havoc 66. May the strongest of you come out on top. And uh, he walks off. The perimeter uh, closes to block the stage. At this point, everyone's looking around like, the fuck? No, we're not just going to... This is stupid. Uh, And then one guy's like, Frag this. This guy's crazy. And uh, he tries to walk out. At that point, uh, the perimeter points all their weapons at him. And uh, he looks at them for a second. Another one try- Another person tries to break through the perimeter on another side. He gets shot. And uh, there's a moment of hesitation. And then one person goes, we might be able to take him if we work together. And then someone else is like, yeah, maybe. And then they all start like looking at each other and realizing the situation they're in. And then eventually... Someone makes the first move, and a meat grinder of a fight breaks out. 
uh, in this not-so-large theater. Uh, and people just start dying horrifically, uh, fighting. Some people are working together, uh, like they came together with people they know, and they're trying to work together uh, against other teams, um, and then you notice like some of them like turn on their friends at the last second, stuff like that. Uh, they all just kind of commit to this situation to try and be like, We're, this is the only way we can survive. Um, at that point, Whitmore turns off the screen. That's what Victor LeBlanc was walking into. That's the madness Hellion creates. So, we don't know much more about what his plans are. Bryn's been working on it, but like he said, Hellion is crafty. Bryn taught him most of what he knows as far as hacking goes. Uh, he was always a smart man. So let's focus on what we do know. We know that Hellion has made his move we're probably operating on a short timetable. I don't expect him to linger much after, uh, after making himself known to the public. We know about Riddle. We know he targeted Riddle for something. Using the hub, we might be able to find out where Riddle's been staying and hopefully find some clues. Mouse. Yeah? I may need your help with that. Okay. Bryn's in no shape to use the hub right now. Um, so Mouse and I will uh, look in through the hub, see uh, if we can track down where Riddle's been staying, and uh, the four of you will go there, find out what you can find out. When Bryn wakes up, I'm sending him to D.C. Like across the country? Yes. The only thread of any evidence we've been able to find is that Hellion seems to be planning some sort of attack on uh, the Zio Gemeinschaft Bank. Um, it is the bank that houses all the corporate funds. It's the bank for the corporate court. Uh, if he's fighting a war against the corporations, if he takes out their money, it could cause havoc for a while. So without much more time, I'm just going to send Bryn to hopefully scout out DC and see if he can find out any havoc. 66 members lurking around there. There's one more thing, though. And he turns on the screen again, and it's the news. It's uh, uh, dated for today. It was this morning. And uh, the heading at the bottom uh, says, uh, Cure for VTOS possible? <laughs> and... Uh, it cuts into the middle of the broadcast, and the, uh, the anchor um, is in the middle of a report. And while the origin of the data remains a mystery, the early results of these new studies seem promising. And now for tonight's main story. A terrorist attack targeted an Astral Preservation Society fundraiser being held in Seattle's Bellevue District. Uh, at this point, images fill the screen uh, showing fire and smoke coming from Agatha Harding's estate. Uh, countless people fleeing the area, just the chaos that you guys were a part of uh, last night. Reports say stolen military aircraft was seen landing on the grounds moments before Knight Errant received dozens of personal, uh, personal distress beacons from the individuals inside. The police responded in full force around the Harding estate. Uh, this, then it cuts to a Knight Errant officer uh, at some sort of press conference. Uh, the fine men and women of our high threat response teams leapt to action and created a secure perimeter. Then, without giving any demands, the terrorists detonated several large explosive devices in succession and opened fire on the hostages. 
Our priority was to the lives of the social and political leaders in, inside the premises, and to that end, we moved in with lethal force to eliminate the suspects. It cuts back to the reporter. Police were unable to comment on whether or not any of the suspects responsible for the attack were taken into custody, but it's clear that a large number of, ter uh, a large number of the terrorist organization was eliminated as they attempted to escape. Two instances to the contrary stand out. Uh, at this point, the uh, still image uh, is quite blurry, but you can make out Hellion uh, running at a police blockade of armed knight errant officers. This individual uh, reportedly managed to break through the knight errant forces uh, single-handedly, proving to be a powerful physical adept, perhaps one of the key members of the terrorist cell. If any of our viewers have any information that could lead, to law, lead law enforcement agencies to this person, please contact Horizon or Knight Errant immediately. You will be compensated for any assistance you lend. Another unknown number of terrorists utilized a rudimentary aircraft to escape custody. Then uh, it cuts to a shaky video as if uh, a handheld camera, like someone submitted, <laughs> someone submitted like, a recording on their phone. Uh, and it is aiming up into the sky, and you recognize Spot uh, flying overhead, um, yeah, on propellers and all that. Um, quick question. How, how offended does Bumbles look at the statement, makeshift aircraft? <laughs> I'm sort of torn between makeshift aircraft being offensive and Spot being famous. <laughs> <laughs> Fundraiser host Agatha Harding's security has informed Knight Errant that this vehicle belonged to individuals in attendance at the event, implying that this may have been a well-orchestrated attack from both outside and within. Several images of Boomer and Kashmir begin to pass through the screen. Um, these are images taken in the dining hall. Um, you see uh, them, them sitting at the table while Kashmir sitting at the table, Boomer standing behind. Um, and in actually a couple of the images, you can see uh, Mouse and Bumbles at their table uh, just from the angle. Um, there's even one where like Mouse seems to be like kind of glancing over at them. It doesn't look suspicious. It's just like you can, you know, you can see you guys in the background. Uh, and then the, the images immediately like kind of darken so that there's only light circles around uh, Kashmir and Boomer uh, in order to, you know, identify them in the crowd. Um, Kashmir goes straight white at this. I lean over to Kashmir and whisper, even though it's a little blurry, I still look amazing. <laughs> uh, head of security flamed these two men arrived at the event in this vehicle and were nowhere to be found just before and after the attack. Security had initially been suspicious of the two men, but were convinced they weren't a threat once they double-checked their sins. Sins that have now mysteriously disappeared from any known database. However, sources tell us this man, just an image of Kashmir now, Fuck. And it's not an image of Kashmir. Uh, <gasps> it's just like a headshot of Kashmir, like a driver's license of Kashmir. Uh, this man is thought to be Sora Matsura, formerly of Mitsuhama, Japan. He is said to have left the corporate territory less than a year ago on a flight to Seattle before immediately disappearing from any known records. He is wanted by Knight Errant for conspiracy to commit terrorist attacks. If any of our viewers know or have seen either of these two men, please contact Horizon or Knight Errant. You will be compensated for any assistance you lend. Knight Errant tells us they are currently investigating the relation, uh, the relation between the, this attack and the timely blackout that allowed so many of these terrorists to escape, but ha have yet to make a statement about their findings. Uh, Whitmore turns off the newsfeed and sits there silently. Hey, buddy. You're famous. 
Also, apparently quite rich. <laughs> God, no, no, no. Cashmere breaks down a bit. <laughs> hey, hey now. There, there. I mean, you want some cookie crisp? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. This is so oh, bad. Oh, you'll be fine. No, no, no. This is so bad. Oh, it's not even the worst thing that could have happened. You're from Mitsuhama? Yeah, that raises several questions. Largest of which, why do you sound like me? <laughs> I, I learned English in school and then I, I watched a lot of old trids. <laughs> Are you familiar with an actress named Emma Watson? <laughs> Fair. <laughs> Terrorism. What? I don't... Oh, God. This I, is so bad. I do take offense. I have not been called a terrorist in quite some time. <laughs> I have worked hard for that. Real question is, how much are they paying for the info? Because if it's not very much, then you should be insulted. <laughs> <laughs> for obvious reasons. Uh, the four of you need to be discreet if you are to leave the estate. Uh, I noticed you parked spot in the garage, Bumbles. That was a good move. Yeah, I don't think I can really take him anywhere. Probably not. Oh, he's going to be so sad. So, uh, it's really, really going to be hard for me to disguise, so I'll probably just hang out here until I'm needed. I think that's my fault. I didn't have time to get another... I didn't have time to hack and delete all the footage. So I think it's my fault. No, no. I mean, there was a lot going on. You know, I was killing a military helicopter and saving the day, and you were, (laughs) you know, getting the people out. There was many things more important than covering our tracks. Because just imagine with me for a second, right? You cover our tracks perfectly, but we're all dead in the basement. And then who cares? He brings up a good point, Mouse. I wouldn't uh, beat yourself up over this. If you had tried to enter the host, you would have been in there with Hellion. Well, I was in the host. I mean, if you had tried to alter the cameras. Yeah. And uh, you saw what he did to Bryn. Yeah. I think it's better that the four of you made it out. But it does make our job just a little bit harder. Uh, so Mouse and I, we're going to find out where Beatrix Riddle's been staying. Because if she was uh, in the middle of an operation against uh, Harding, like you said, uh, she probably had a safe house uh, that she was operating yeah, out Yeah, it looked like she had some sort of key or um, like an all-purpose key, like USB she plugged it into a hard drive. That's what he took from her? Yeah. Some kind of well, she, customized data tap? I think so. I mean, sort I only saw it from the, from, the, from the video when I was hacking. But, um, well, you can see it. You bring up the video of her uh, yeah. taking off the ring, plugging it into the comlink. And, yeah. And yeah. then the video of him taking it from her. He's always been good at sleight of hand. Well, we have to figure out what it was he took. It strikes me that Agatha Harding works for Sadakrat. They're unrelated. No, no, no. Um, I mean, Jason Black knew you, yeah? Yes. 
could he be coming for you? Undoubtedly, he's coming for me. He's been trying for some time now. Right. I mean, like, it might be totally wrong and just, you know, a thread not worth pulling, but it strikes me that somebody at Sadokrup knows they assassinated your parents. It's a good point. Bryn's uh, been probing into Sadokrup a lot recently, especially in preparation for this job. Uh, nothing suspicious came up, but uh, it's, it's worth keeping in mind. Yeah, it's a good point. I have a feeling Hellion has uh, his target set on something besides finding out more about my parents' death. Sure. I mean, it just occurred to me. So I say Bumbles, Cashmere, Boomer, the three of you uh, rest up some more, prepare. We're going to have to go on a job tonight if Mouse and I can find it out. Uh, okay. Do you have other cars here? He kind of grins. Yes. Do you have any blue paint or makeup? He looks at... (laughs) (laughs) He looks at Boomer. Uh, No, but I might be able to get some. Uh, I mean, there's not much you can do to disguise an Oni in Seattle. We can at least put prosthetics on you you, and a wig so you don't look like the same Oni. Yeah, I could... Wow, I'd be playing half the Oni in Seattle. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, like, what are the odds that the other Oni in Seattle is also a terrorist? (laughs) You're definitely going to have to, you know, (laughs) try to stay out of sight, Boomer, but good thing is you're good at that. (laughs) Do I get a wig, too? Yes, we're going to have to come up with a disguise for you, too, Cashmere, if you're going to be going out in the public. And a, and a fake mustache. No, you just grow out a real one. Well, I can't. I do. I never <laughs> but I've always sort of wanted one. Yeah, I, I, we, can, we can get you a mustache, Cashmere. Uh, look, if you're not, it, had, it had to happen eventually. You ran away from Mitsuhama. Well, yeah, yeah, you can't work the shadows without yeah. deleting that intel. Cash, cash, cash. Cash, look at me. Yeah, yeah. Get you the most glorious mustache we can find. Thanks, Boomer. And a really nice hat. And a really nice hat. (laughs) That would be fun. I'll even grow a beard and mustache in solidarity. Oh, it would just make you look better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Could Bumble's... Uh, Boomer, Cashmere, could you take this outside? Mouse and I have work to do. Oh, uh, okay. by the way, you had a cookie crisp. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> he, lo- he looks daggers at you, Boomer. I guess I'll just have to buy more then. <laughs> Anyways, Mouse. <laughs> yeah, I have to, um, I have to fix my deck. Oh, no, you don't need your deck. You're going to be using the hub. Yeah. Jealous. Yeah, you're the only one here qualified to do it besides Bryn. Mm. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, all right, so... Um, she looks really excited through her, like, blood-covered f- face <laughs> and stuff. Uh, he, he sits you down in the chair and he goes, Also, uh, I have uh, a team of people... No offense, breaking into all of your homes and collecting what gear they can from your homes. Will you have them bring my beer? <laughs> Might be a couple trips, but... Uh, 
Let me just uh, check my uh, messages with them. Oh, they already left your house, Boomer. <laughs> um, oh, that's so sad. Well, I bet you they have beer here, Boomer. I do have beer here. <laughs> All right. I do uh, need another belt. Um, okay. It's important. Sure. Uh, so the three of you go off. Uh, Mouse Whitmore sits you down in the chair. Uh, he goes, now it's going to be a little... Uh, I've been working on retrofitting it. Uh, it didn't have a area for a data tap. Uh, or an area for a, a data jack. There was no universal connector for uh, you to plug into. Um, but uh, I have at least this. And he holds up like kind of a rudimentary like makeshift data tap that will allow you to access the... Uh, uh, access the hub. Mm. What? But so go ahead and uh, plug on here. But, uh, plug into here and. Uh, how did, oh wow! He's a technomancer. Whitmore sits there, looks back. No one else is in the room. Yes, Bryn has certain capabilities. That's so cool. Right, I but, wish I could do that. Okay, but relax. Uh, no, but it's like, mouse, and then you're like, <laughs> yeah, and it's you're like all the time. And sorry. It's okay. Uh, plug your data jack in. Yeah, sorry. Hold all on. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So you plug in, mm-hmm. and uh, your consciousness drops into the hub. <gasps> And uh, it is both similar to how it's felt to be in the Matrix before Mm -hmm. and completely different from how it felt to be in the Matrix before. Um, Whereas the Matrix is usually a a layout of uh, data that you can search for, um, but you you still feel like one individual entity inside the the Matrix. Uh, In this instance... Uh, you feel your consciousness split and uh, attach itself to several different devices all spread around uh, Seattle a vast distance as if you were right there. Um, It's all of a sudden you become hyper aware of everything that's going on. It's almost like a sensory overload at first. Like you just like get like hit with like traffic feeds, uh, reports and everything. And it's a sensory overload for about two seconds before your brain just kicks in and starts processing it all. Uh, and really quickly you start categorizing everything and like you, uh, this, what would have been like, this just like amorphous, like ball of like data and uh, sensory input. You really quickly lay out in front of you, uh, in a way that you can comprehend. I do have speed reading. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, this is amazing. Mouse, can you hear me? I want this all the time. Mouse. Yeah. We're looking for Riddle, and the image of uh, Riddle pops up. Oh, uh, okay. I need to find out where she's been in the past two weeks. Okay. Execute search. <laughs> <laughs> Roll a matrix search for me. Wait, I don't have Kreflin. You don't have Kreflin. No. Uh, but you are operating with a uh, rating eight agent nonetheless. I don't have enough dice for that. <laughs> Um, nine hits. All right. Uh, so, um, you see the image of uh, Beatrix, and you push it off to the side, and then all of the image feeds somehow are meshed into one in front of you, mm-hmm. and they start 
speeding through both in reverse and uh, uh, forward. Um, and uh, you start going through all of the imagery uh, in the past two weeks. And after what seems like no time at all to you, uh, you find that she was spotted entering and exiting a building as stealthily as possible, but still caught on a couple cam cameras um, in the uh, Renton district. Okay. Uh, and uh, just like some small in innocuous uh, apartment building. Okay. Um, well, single apartment, but more like a townhouse, honestly, but a shitty one. <laughs> Uh, so you get that data, data, and uh, you. What do you do? It looks like she was in a Renton townhouse. It's really run down here, and I send it to him. Okay. Uh, there's a brief pause. Oh, you're done. Um. Okay. Uh, here, jack out. Oh. <laughs> uh, you jack out, and Whitmore's not sitting next to you anymore. Uh. So Cashmere, Bumbles, and uh, Boomer. What have you been doing for the last three hours? I dozed off. Okay. Do you do you have any uh, anything to heal? Okay. Then don't roll anything. Doze off. <laughs> I've been worrying mostly, just real, just worrying. I'm also wondering how I can get more reagents, and gonna I'm gonna try to do a. Uh, like I guess a summoning test to gain back some services. Sure. Go ahead and uh, roll that. Who you who are you trying to uh, rebind? Um, Araga. That's eight oh. hits. Okay. Uh, so you get four more services, uh, mm -hmm. and you are required to resist uh, eight stun. <laughs> Fun. Uh, so as Kashmir knocks himself out, um, <laughs> I head to the garage to look at all the cars. Okay. Uh, that's three hits. All right. So you take five stun. <laughs> Great. Bumbles, you uh, walk into the garage. Uh, as you approach, he goes, opens up. Uh, <laughs> this is great. You walk in. And it has about um, two rows of cars going back further than you would have expected. Uh, there's ten cars on either side. Um, and it is there, – there's almost every vehicle you can imagine in here. Uh, there's a truck. There's a van. There's a sports car. There's a motorcycle. Uh, there's Spot. Um, there's a car very similar to Spot. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do you do? Um, what is sort of the, uh, um, fanciest and fastest looking one? Like, I'm looking for sort of, like, a Lamborghini or Ferrari scenario. You find a, uh, GMC Cadillac Nocturne. Ooh. Um, and, uh, it is an extremely nice luxury sedan, um... I was thinking something more in a two-seater. Oh, uh, well, there is a Eurocar Westwind, uh, which like, is a two-seater. Like very low to the ground, perhaps, and um, fast. Yep, it exists. It's a Eurocar Westwind. It's sitting, uh, uh, it's sitting there um, right next to the Cadillac. 
it is a nice two-seater, super luxurious sports car. You know it is very fast, also very expensive. And this one looks like it's probably been customized in certain ways. Oh, my. Um, I pat the Cadillac on the hood and I say, another time, another time, and I get in the Eurocar. Um, does it have a rigger interface? It does. My God. Okay, a rigger into the car. Okay. And then I call Whitmore? Sure. So you drop your consciousness into the car? It feels good. <laughs> oh my God. It's not quite the same as Spot. Not better so much as different. <laughs> and uh, you call up Whitmore? Yes, Bumbles. Um, uh, I need two favors from you. Uh, one is sort of touchy. The other, I would imagine, is rather small. Um, the first one, I'm just going to be blunt. We haven't been paid for the gala job. And I would like to uh, acquire some things to help for the next job. Ah, yes, it slipped my mind. Um, That's fine. A lot happened. Uh, give me a moment, and all of you uh, get uh, 20,000 uh, new yen transferred to your accounts. Mouse, you get it, but you don't notice because... I, I don't notice. You are in a trance. This is amazing. <laughs> uh, all right, thank you. Um, the second thing, um, can, uh, I mean, you don't really have to be like paying very close attention, but could I just sort of set up a D&I with you? Because Boomer's asleep, Cashmere knocked himself out, uh, Mouse is busy, and I got kidnapped the last time I went here. So I just sort of want someone to notice if I all of a sudden get grabbed. Uh, sure. Go ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, so you and Whitmore, you and <laughs> you and Lawrence Whitmore set up a uh, uh, set up a DNI, a direct neural interface. Uh, your brains are now linked. Great. Oh, um, has his people come back with my belt? Uh, yeah. At this point, yeah. Uh, the stuff is sitting in the foyer. You didn't see them. <laughs> That's weird. Uh, okay. I drive the car like closer to the door to the garage. Pop out. Grab my belt. Pop back in. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I grab my all my stuff. Right. Um, and I drive to the troll tailors. All right, you go to lock them in greps. Uh, you pull up. Your car catches uh, catches a few glances. Yeah, and then I step out in my suit, and they can all fuck off. Because <laughs> you look good. <laughs> um, but yeah, you you step out. Uh, you look great. It doesn't even look like you had a hard night last night. And <laughs> your hair is still perfect. And uh, you go walking into lock them in greps. Hello, Bumbles. Uh, is this Lockham or Grep? Uh, it's Grep. Hi, Grep. Um, I would like to build something, and I need your help to make it look like uh, a belt. Oh, um, Lockham's really good at that. Lockham, come help me help Bumbles. Okay. And he comes out, hello, Bumbles. Hi, Lockham. Listen, I've got this idea, and I, uh, I set my belt my spare belt on the on the desk, uh, the the front desk, sort of, mm -hmm. and I take my rating six foam explosive out. Okay, and I tell him I would like to put um, all of this inert foam explosive into this belt, <laughs> and I would like it to still look like a belt. Oh, 
Why would you want to blow up your belt? It's a nice belt. It's a fantastic belt, but it's recently come to my attention that I need to be able to kill someone who's very good at hacking. So I need a bomb that's not wireless. Okay, so you want it on some sort of manual timer? Oh, uh, I, uh, I've been drawing up... Uh, I'll share my designs, and I send to them my designs for a belt buckle. <laughs> that you did as you were going to sleep last night. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he goes, oh, oh, I see what you want. Yeah, we could probably do that. Great. Um, and you're providing the materials, so it won't even be that expensive. That's one of the four best things I've heard in the last 24 hours. <laughs> um, when do you need it, boy? Um, how quickly can you get it done? He, uh, looks over at, uh, Grap. Remember, he liked the purple suit. And, uh, I'm still wearing it, and the, the colors shift to the metallic purple. It looks really good on you. I love this suit. And, uh, Lockham goes, All right. I can bump a couple appointments for you, Bumbles. I could have it done by tonight. That is fantastic. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I should get to work. Okay, uh, just give me a ring when it's done. And I will come back. Very grateful. Okay, we'll see you when we're done working on the blow-up belt. Yes. We can come up with a better name than that. I kind of like that one. Blow up belt it is. He, <laughs> he writes it in his uh, <laughs> in his schematic report. <laughs> and uh, he picks up the belt and the explosives, and he and uh, Grep go in the back to work on it. Great. Uh, I have two more stops to make. Okay. Um, so I will travel to my nearest drone store and get an Aztechnology crawler. So you, you walk into uh, Stuffer Shack radio edition and um uh you go on back and there is a section for small drones uh and sure enough there is actually uh one as technology crawler available great i take it and buy it okay uh the the attendee is just some like teenage kid who doesn't seem really interested in you at all he kind of looks at your suit a little weird he's like yeah this is this is gonna be it yeah that's it all right that's a, it's four thousand. Here you go, and I uh, fancy cred stick. Uh, yeah, that's because I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> In this episode, Bumbles fights a teenager. He mumbles to himself, and then uh, uh, I'm standing right here. I can hear you. If you're gonna be a dick, at least be a dick to my face. <laughs> He doesn't say anything, kind of pouts and <laughs> gives you your receipt, and he's like, have a nice day, please return. I will not. <laughs> and as I walk out, I'm just like, teenagers. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you have a little uh, tiny micro drone. Uh, it's basically like um, a half sphere with uh, three legs on either side. Great, perfect. One more stop. Um, I head to Bellevue's Magical District. Okay. Uh, across from Spirits and Spirits, I assume, is like a magic stuff shop. Yeah, there's a talismonger there. Okay. Uh, I go in. Uh, so you walk in, and uh, there's no one at the counter for a second. And then uh, behind a uh, beaded curtain. Of course. Um, 
outsteps uh, an elf. Um, he has uh, grayish hair. Uh, it's pulled back, um, and he has uh, yellow eyes and the smallest signs of some wrinkles on his face, which would imply that he is quite an old elf. Uh, and he comes up and he goes, how can I help you? Um, I need, uh, uh, what are they called? Um, he's always got uh, reagents, regents. No, that's kings. I need... Um, Reagents is what you're looking for. Yeah, that's the stuff. Buying for a friend? Yeah, um, I, I would guess he probably comes in here a lot. Um, wears the cashmere sweaters all the time. I'm familiar with him, but he hasn't been to my shop yet. Ah, all right. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm looking for uh, those things. Of course. And uh, he uh, opens up a little drawer behind and pulls out uh, some reagents in like a little like you know, a uh, tied-up bag. Sure. Um, how many rea- reagents? Sure. How many can I have for uh, 680 new yen? 680 will get you uh, 34. Great. I'll take them. All right. Uh, you can let Kashmir know. You can let your friend know <laughs> that uh, these are special reagents. Um He'll be very pleased with them. And he slides them over the counter. Okay. Can I judge intentions? Sure. I got a hit. Okay. Uh, he seems kind of hard to read. Uh, you're kind of looking him up and down. And you're not 100% sure where this guy's coming from. He definitely seems weird to you. And yeah. you get the impression that somehow he knows who you're talking about. Um, even though you... I mean, that doesn't surprise me so much. <laughs> but, mean, yeah, and so you're like, all right, maybe he saw him at Spirits and Spirits or something. I mean, the magical district, as previously established, is like half a block. Yeah. Well, okay, so I forget quite how this went down, but did other people see the person who talked no. to me at the gala? No, it was just me? Yeah. Never mind, go on. <laughs> oh, this... Mm, okay. Uh, and... Uh, uh, he rings you out, and he goes, have a good day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Goodbye. And I get in my car, and I go four and a half miles over the speed limit the whole way back. <laughs> um, as you're leaving the shop, you open the door, the bell rings again. Uh, you step out, and uh, you're a little weirded out by this guy, right? So as you're getting yeah. to the car, you kind of glance back. He's not there anymore, and someone else is behind the counter. Totally different person. Fucking magic people. Uh, and then, yes, you get in the car yeah. and you, you, you indulge yourself a little bit and drive four miles over the speed limit the whole way home. They're worse than teenagers. They're worse, well, they're as bad as hackers. <laughs> uh, and when I get back, uh, I plop the little bag of reagents on Kashmir's stomach and I... I think I'm... I think I'm awake. Actually, Kashmir, before you wake up. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> I, had, I had one more thing I was going to do. Yeah. I head to the workshop and start doing the work to turn the As Technology Crawler into a very, very, very well-concealed pistol drone. Okay. All right. So, Kashmir, uh, you're sleeping. It's a, uh, you fall right asleep after uh, rebinding uh, your spirit um, because it took a lot out of you. Mm-hmm. And uh, you drop into a dream. Uh, again, it's more of a memory than a dream. 
you are on the Red Eye flight to Seattle from Japan. Uh, you're sitting there. Uh, you've just finished drying off your eyes because uh, it's been a hard night for you. Uh, you've been banished by your father. Um, you almost got arrested. Uh, and, yeah, so uh, you're sitting there. Um, the seats on either side of you are uh, empty. And everyone else is kind of like the, the plane is well packed except for the area where you're sitting. Uh, and everyone seems kind of like either asleep or, you know, reading on like their AR displays or whatever. Um, and then uh, you hear down the aisle uh, 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 footsteps um, in heels. And you turn and a beautiful woman in a black dress with a black choker. Uh, oh boy! Uh, sits down next to you. Um, she has black hair done up uh, magnificently. Um, she's wearing uh, what seems to be very expensive earrings. Uh, her makeup is on point, um, <laughs> and uh, she sits down um, uh, next to you, and uh, she just kind of smiles at you. And uh, you immediately remember this didn't happen. She I would have remembered looks, this. <laughs> she almost looks kind of like Duchess from your first job, um, except slightly different. It's almost like if you took Duchess and Mouse's friend and also a little bit of like Beatrix Riddle um, and just like this, this like what is almost to you like your perfect woman. Uh, she just sits there smiling at you and, and you immediately realize you're in a dream. <laughs> yeah, because I haven't pissed my pants yet. You're like, this, doesn't, this has to be a dream. <laughs> uh, and she says, So you're really planning on going through with this, huh? I'm in the air. I mean, not this. I'm talking about uh, continuing with your current team, Kashmir. I don't know. I'm. I don't have anything else. Stubborn as any Thunderbird is expected to be, I suppose. Well, if you insist on going forward down this path, I want to help you. You see, I know Jason Black. Oh, what? You do? How? Who are you? I am uh, a very old, very ancient entity from very far away. Well, you don't look it. She grins. I chose this form to try and uh, keep you comfortable. What? <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm visibly sweating. <laughs> um, so Jason Black began to commune with me, uh, much like you and your Thunderbird totem. Uh, and I gifted him a great deal of power. And I've come to regret this decision. He's become a monster, plain and simple. And he is going to do terrible things with the abilities I've given him. And I was trying to spare you a confrontation with him, but if you insist, the best I can hope to do is aid you by giving you a little more power. See, the Thunderbird you cling to is a noble and worthy spirit. There's no doubt about that. I mean, it hasn't been around as long as I have, but it's a great being nonetheless. The problem is, as you know, 
It's been stringing you along very slowly, making you fight tooth and nail for every ounce of power. Now, I am all about taking the slow, mysterious, elusive approach. Yes. Um, but we don't have time for a nice hero's journey. Jason Black is going to do something terrible, and he's going to do it soon. And since you're in a position to stop him, I'm offering you a leg to stand on in the fight to come. Thank you. Uh, so, you're a spirit? Yes. And he took power from you? I gifted him power. Well, yes, I would like to help you in any way I can. It comes with the mildest of costs. Oh, a uh, quick question. Does she have yellow eyes? No. Oh. She has brown eyes. Hmm. Uh, it comes with the mildest of costs. You're going to need to commune with me. And that would mean severing your ties to your Thunderbird. I know this isn't something that you would think lightly of, but as I said before, I worry for your safety and the safety of all others when it comes to Jason Black. That's, well, that's quite the cost. I, how do I know you're to be trusted? I've, I've grown with my, with my Thunderbird. My, I owe my Thunderbird all, everything I, I have, everything I can do. She kind of shrugs and goes, I can't elate those fears. You're going to have to take a leap of faith. I would love for the Thunderbird to give you more strength, more power, but it's just not returning my calls. And she kind of grins. Huh. You and I can have a more intimate relationship. A more direct line, if you will. Oh, um... Oh, God, I... Oh, God, this is... Okay. Uh, okay, sure. I. Uh, we need to stop him. I need to... I need to be able to... I need to be better. Okay. Then come with me. And she holds out her hand. <sighs> I... Like, wipe, off, wipe it off on my pants. <laughs> uh, and sort of gently and un unfamiliarly like, grab it. Cool. She leads you into the airplane bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, like, where will we go? Surely not. <coughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, you proceed to have a sexual fantasy about uh, this spirit. Um, it is a great, great dream. Uh, <laughs> Bumbles when you're setting the reagents. Oh, no. Oh, I, I toss it. <laughs> you still notice, like, he's, like, kind of smiling. He's sweating a little bit. He looks like he's... You, you can recognize it. looks like he's having a good dream. Um, Quick, take a video. <laughs> I, uh, what? I don't have no clue why Boomer would want a video. I, um... Cashmere looks kind of ridiculous, so I do take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Kashmir, you finish up, uh, your dream. So I, I, uh, I bone this spirit? Yeah, you do. <laughs> oh, okay. It sort of makes sense if you think about no, it. I, no, no part of this makes sense. It's the most spiritual of communing. <laughs> it's that one scene from Ghostbusters that just doesn't make sense with the rest of Ghostbusters. It's the pottery scene from Ghost. <laughs> 
And also, Kashmir questioning whether this counts as losing his virginity. <laughs> um, so, Kashmir, uh, you wake up. You notice a baggery agent sitting next to you. Um, you you kind of sit up and you're panting heavily. <laughs> I, I, I look up and go, thanks? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, your magic rating increases by one. <gasps> and uh, you're halfway to initiating again. Wow. Boomer, you wake up and you hear Whitmore go, she's got it. Uh, Mouse, uh, you're alone in the hub and uh, you really quickly just like are looking at your AR display and you realize what seemed like about 30 seconds to you was actually three hours. Hello? And uh, Whitmore wheels down uh, the ramp into the, uh, uh, into the hub. What do the rest of you guys do? Well, that was a convenient time to wake up. So we're on stairs. Uh, I'm still in the workshop, but I do just sort of Bring everyone else onto my DNI with Whitmore. <laughs> um, go ahead and roll. Uh, it's going to be an uh, assist your armor with an industrial test. Do an industrial test first, and then uh, those hits will get added to your armor or pool. This seven hits, which is my limit. Okay, uh, you're making good progress, fast progress. Uh, I'm very good at drones. <laughs> Um, everyone else convenes in the hub. Uh, Whitmore goes, I guess uh, Bumble's hard at work and uh, is going to be phoning in. Yeah, I'm here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we all go down to the hub? I, well, yeah, I don't know. Do you go down uh, to the hub, Kashmir? Yeah, I, I take a shower. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I walk down to the hub. You know, with a little bit more confidence than I've had before. Like, it's got a little... He's got a little, like, swagger in his step. Yeah. Hey, now that you're all up, Kashmir sleeps funny. And I <laughs> send the picture out. <laughs> Kashmir looks mortified. <laughs> he can, he knows he personally can clearly see that he's erect. <laughs> <laughs> and is hoping none of the rest of you are able. <laughs> oh, jeez, Kash, not bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I, you have a good dream? Um, <laughs> y- yes. Yes, I, uh, I think I did. Uh, so uh, he goes, uh, Mouse has found out uh, where Riddle's safe house is. Bryn has left already. He took my private jet. He's on his way to D.C. right now. We don't have any more intel on the location, but we need to act fast. Can I count on you four to go in and bypass whatever security this safe house no doubt has and get the information we're looking for so we can maybe have an idea of what Hellion is planning? Yep. Uh, All right, guys, let's gear up. Well, yes, but what sort of information would she have in a safe house? Didn't Hellion take it? Not her safe house. Okay. Right. Often with situations like this, uh, corporate operatives will have a link to their uh, handler uh, in the safe house. Um, oh, there'll be someone they are in there. overly confident, which uh, an experienced operative like uh, Beatrice Trudel might be, um, also due to the fact that her, a safe house of an agent of her caliber is no doubt heavily guarded, there might be some traces of information left uh, on a comlink or a terminal or something. Uh, I've seen some agents use uh, actual uh, paper files in order to... Uh, keep uh, 
you know, a dossier on whatever their, their mission currently is. Um, and oh, then burn them later. Speaking of paper files, did we ever send you? We've got some stuff. Oh yeah, I sent I sent all the pictures of the paper files we grabbed oh, okay, to good. Bryn. They, oh, for Harding, yes, yeah. uh, she's going to be out of the out of the running for a little bit. Uh, she took a bullet in the leg during the uh, during the assault, right. and uh, Whitmore actually smiles satisfied. She <laughs> certainly won't be adventuring anytime soon. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, it's still a little early in the afternoon. I suggest we rest. Uh, your things are all uh, here, so you should be able to gear up appropriately. Um, I could... Uh, I'm almost done with this drone here, and I want to finish this. I could use some extra hands. Uh, Mouse, if you could help me with Spot. Um, just getting him ready to go for the mission. Sure, okay. Uh, Thank you. Whitmore looks at Mouse and goes, Actually... Bumbles, Mouse, I think you need to rest. I think you need to be... I'll show you to my medical facility. Um, no, I'm okay. I can... Um, it doesn't have to be Mouse. Uh, I, I just... You know, Spot sort of got us out of the whole gala attacked by Hellion thing, and I, I would feel more comfortable... You have very nice cars, by the way. I would feel more comfortable if we could go there in Spot, and he's not quite 100% yet. That makes sense, and if you go in the evening, Spot, while being a noticeable car, uh, I mean, it's not the only Rover 2072 on the road. Um, so it's not the worst thing ever, though you can expect you might get pulled over for We could put some decals on him. <laughs> Do we have a lot of ideas? I'll help. Uh, so attend to that if, if you must, Bumbles, but Mouse needs to rest. I need my team at 100%. Sure. Um, I mean, some of you guys maybe could, some extra hands would be helpful. They don't really have to know what they're doing. I, I don't feel comfortable bringing anyone in and meeting uh, the four of you, especially working on a vehicle that has <laughs> essentially a bounty on it at the moment. Oh, that's a good point. Okay. Yeah, I'll do it. Don't worry. Mouse, uh, this way, to the medical wing. Okay. Uh, and uh, he guides you off. Um, Do you think this will come out of my dress? Uh, I know a, a couple uh, tailors that are really good at getting stains out. I think they should be able to help. <laughs> okay. I have to fix my deck, too, at some point. Uh, that's a good point. Here. And uh, you guys have traveled to the other side of the mansion. Uh, you get into what appears to be like a second kitchen. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, goes and adjusts the dials on the dishwasher. And whoosh, the floor opens up, leading to a ramp down. This uh, is the best house. <laughs> I know, there's two kitchens. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you walk in and you are in a state-of-the-art medical facility. Um it's like Doc's clinic on steroids. Um, uh, and uh, Whitmore sits you down and begins to patch you up. Um, and that's where we'll end tonight's session. Yeah. This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by the Topps Company Incorporated. Shadowrun is a trademark of the Topps Company Incorporated. All rights reserved. Go to www.shadowruntabletop.com 
for more information.